Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Uh, over this last uh, last several weeks we've covered in this series, the first week that we talked about was being faithful in the fire. Do you remember James talking about in everything, in every trial, give thanks to God? It's being faithful in the, in the fires of life because God does something supernatural and powerful when we go through the stuff that we go through in life. We talked about how he desires for us, God desires for us to walk in wisdom, to be people who are wise. And when people see us and they know us, they can say that person has wisdom. I can go, for them, or I can go to them with sound advice, sound wisdom, and they can share that. We talked about through James that, that our faith is demonstrated Right, That our, our actions demonstrate what we believe. And if we say one thing and do another, we are actually living contrary to the word of God. And, and science has shown that when you say you, you believe something but you do something opposite, it actually causes trauma in your brain. So stop giving yourself brain damage. Start living what you believe. Amen? Amen. And this morning, we're going to be diving into James chapter 5, the last part of chapter 5, talking about our prayer life. And, and, and the question that we've been answering is, how, does, how can we live like and look more like Jesus every day? And if we're followers of Jesus, that is our goal. Would you agree? As, if we call ourselves believers in Jesus, followers of Christ, we want to live more like him. We want to look more like him every day. That's our mission. And James helps us do that. And this morning we're talking about how our prayer life helps us look more like and live more like Jesus. This morning, we're going to read scripture. Would you stand? All right, let's, uh, let's put the, the word up there this morning. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. We're going to read through verse 20. Would you read that aloud with me this morning? Let's read. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, the, of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Stay standing. Let's pray together. Lord. We thank you for this word. We ask, God, that you would penetrate our hearts with this message today. That, God, you would bring encouragement and a challenge to us as your followers. That you, God, through your word today, want to speak to us on how to best look like you and live like you every day. We ask, God, for your mercy and your grace to accomplish all that you have given for us to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, growing up in a Christian home, I knew prayer was important. 
I knew it was important. We always prayed. We were always praying. We always prayed for our food. Always. If I ate a French fry before, I was like, Lord, bless that fry as it goes down. I don't want to die. Yeah, I will choke on it. Right? We used to, anytime we traveled, we always prayed for, anybody know what we used to call those? We call those prayers? We still do. Traveling mercies. I don't know where that's at in the Bible, but we all knew how to do it. We were always like, Lord, we need traveling mercies. Give us mercy as we travel. And that's important. Would you agree? I remember praying for that. I remember if we had tests, my brother and I, we were like, Lord, come, come. Lord, we got to agree together before we go to school, but we don't flunk this test. Do you guys have anybody? We prayed for that. I remember my mom, she would pray. She would say, Lord, and bring what they've studied to their memorance. And I was like, memorance? I don't even know that word. It's like King, it's like King James for memory. You know, I was just like, Lord, uh, yes, Lord, I need it. But Lord, could, you give, could you tell them to give me additional things that I didn't study? Because I know I didn't study all of that. I needed to. Would you help me with that too, Lord? I mean, we always prayed, right? I remember always praying. I remember praying for people. When there would be crisis. When my dad would get a phone call, we would gather together as a family. We would pray together. I remember doing that. It impacted my life greatly. I knew there was power in prayer. We always prayed. Always. It was so important to us. And uh, I know that, that, that we carried this understanding of prayer growing up because I was taught. I was taught that there was power in prayer. And I think that everybody, no matter who you are, if you're a believer or not, you believe that there's power in prayer. I know that because I have neighbors and, and I had coworkers that, that weren't believers, but anytime something happened crazy in their life, they always would come and say, Hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And I, they don't know Jesus. They didn't, some of them didn't confess that they believed God, but when crisis hit their family, they knew where to turn. Because instinctively, we know that there's something powerful, something supernatural about prayer that is not of this natural realm. It is something that goes beyond our understanding. And, and prayer is a powerful thing. It's a supernatural thing. But it's, because we, it's how we connect with God. It's how we have a relationship with God. It's how we talk to God. We know that, that, that prayer is a powerful thing. And so people will come to you who don't have a relationship with the Lord, but they'll come and ask you for prayer, and they'll take as much prayer as you're willing to give. They'll say, man, would you pray? For, and you say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And they're like so appreciative, aren't they? Because they understand that there's power in prayer. Because it connects us with God. It connects us with the supernatural. Prayer has something, has abilities that nothing else has in this world. Prayer, you can pray for peace and immediately someone can have peace, won't they? You can pray for healing and people will have healing in their bodies. You can pray for comfort and comfort will surround somebody supernaturally. It's a powerful tool that God has given us. A powerful tool that God has given us. But not just any prayer works. James says this, that prayer, the prayer of faith is important. Anybody can pray to anything, to anyone at any time, but not all those prayers work, do they? James says it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It's the prayer of faith that raises the dead. It's the prayer of faith that breaks strongholds over people's lives. It's the prayer of faith that James says. A prayer that we pray together. A prayer that we pray to God. In life, I think, when James is talking about, and he opens up this passage of scripture, he says that if anyone is sick, let them pray, right? And then he goes on to say, is anybody cheerful? Let them sing praise. But then he goes right back, is anybody suffering? Is anybody? Because I think in life, we have a lot more opportunities to be sick and suffering and in pain than we do to be cheerful. Would you agree? 
when we're cheerful, it's easy to sing praise. It's easy to be happy. It's easy to have joy. But, but God told James to write this thing down because he knew when life hits us in every area, in every situation of life, he wants us to pray first, not to complain, not to be broken and hurting and, and wallowing in that, but to pray. It's what he says. Are you suffering? Pray. Are you sick? Gather others and, and pray together. It's something unique to James. And he tells us in Scripture, is anybody suffering? Let them pray. Anybody in pain? Let them pray. I think when life beats you up and beats you down and knocks you out, pray to God. Turn to God. Turn your hearts to Him and see what will happen. See what will happen. The prayer of faith that James is talking about here is a prayer prayed in the position of faith in Jesus. Do you know that as followers of Jesus, you have more power than you know in your prayer life? You have a lot more power than you know. And when he says to pray a prayer of faith, it's saying, if you have faith in Jesus, pray from that position of faith. What does that mean? It means if you, if, to have faith in Jesus means that, that you believe he's the son of God, that he died for our sins, three days later he rose again, then he ascended to the Father, and now he stands at the right hand of God. To believe all that takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? Not only that, but to believe that he was born of a virgin. I mean, you, you have to believe impossible things to be a follower of Jesus, don't you? You have to believe things that are supernatural, that are beyond our understanding. And James is saying, if you want to have faith, and you want to have prayer that changes things, Pray with that kind of faith that believes that if God can raise the dead, he can do something in the living. That if God can, can have Jesus born of a virgin, then nothing is impossible for him. Pray that kind of way when you pray for others, when you pray for suffering, when you pray for the sick, when you pray for healing. Pray with a prayer of faith. Amen? If you know Jesus, this is what's powerful. The Bible tells us that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also lives in you. So you have resurrection power on the inside of you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you in such a way that it radiates resurrection power? It radiates life-giving power out from, from you when you pray, when you seek God? Maybe you don't feel like it today. Maybe you're like, Pastor, you don't know what I've been going through. You don't know what's, what's going on at home. You don't know my finances. You don't know my work habits. You don't know all of these things that's going on. I don't feel powerful, but can I tell you something today? Here's my first point that I want you to know. That you, as a follower of Jesus, your prayers produce change. Your prayers produce change. It doesn't, it's not if you're a, uh, if you're a, a powerful, like, you know, a, a mighty if you feel like a mighty Christian warrior, it's not, it's not how you feel. It's about the knowing that if you follow Jesus and you have faith in him, that your prayer has the potential to bring change in your life. Do you believe that? Come on, I need some feedback here. Do you believe that? Do I got to kill another spider for you all to respond to me? I'll find one. Your prayers produce change, but not just any prayers. Prayers of faith that are more than just, just for our food or 
just to pray for a raise or just to get a good grade on the test. Prayers that produce the greatest change are those that lift up others, that lift up the suffering, that lift up the sick, that lift up the lost, that lift up the broken, that lift up the hurting. Prayers that bring the most change are the ones that we pray for others. When others are trapped in sin or others are looking for a way of escape. Do you ever know when you're ever trying to get in, into an intimate moment with the Lord and you're in your, your prayer closet, if you all still pray in prayer closets or wherever you pray, when you're trying to get it and you just don't feel it, the moment you begin to pray for other people, all of a sudden you begin to feel the presence of God move in your life more than when you're just praying for yourself and God, I need this and God, I need that. But the moment you begin to lift up others in prayer, it's almost like the Holy Spirit saying, now I can do something in your life when you're more concerned about other people's life than your own. When you begin to look for other people's suffering and other people's pain and other people's brokenness and say, God, would you do something in their life? Then the Holy Spirit says, I will do something in their life and I'll also do something in your life. Why? Because the heart of God is always for the heart of the other. God's looked down upon our, upon our brokenness and our sin and the darkness of our world and Jesus said, we have to do something about it. Let me go and be a part of it so I can bring healing to the brokenness. So when you begin to focus on other people's problems, you are looking through God's eyes. And he says, I want to do something in you for this world. James is saying this kind of prayer has the most potential for change in someone's life. And for James, prayer is another way we demonstrate our faith, isn't it? We believe God can, so we pray like he will. Amen? If we believe that God can, then we pray as if he will. If God can heal the sick, we pray that he will heal the sick. If God can raise the dead, then we pray that God will raise the dead. If, God will, if he can heal marriages, then we pray as if he will heal marriages. Yes? Jesus wants to do it in us if we're willing to say, yes, Lord, use me. In prayer. Remember, James is all about faith. His tagline, faith without works is dead. And prayer without passion is dead. Prayer without a determination to see an outcome in our lives will not go anywhere. What are we, what are we praying for if not to expect an answer? We think that we're praying to a ceiling? We're praying to a wall? No, we pray to a God who hears. We pray to a God who sees. We pray to a God who moves and responds when the heart of his people call out to him. That's why we pray. We pray with expectation that our prayers will move. One of my biggest pet peeves in the church is that when we know somebody needs prayer, we just say, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. And then, y'all, we don't. We don't pray for them. We say, oh, I'll pray for you. And then, and then we get busy with other things and other stuff's happening. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden what they were asking for has already come and gone. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, we, well, I, in my heart I had a desire, you know. No, I think that as people, anytime somebody says, I need prayer, right there in that moment, let's pray together. Let's agree together because their hearts are longing for something. Their hearts are needing something. And let's agree together that God would minister in that moment to them. Let's not be a people who say we're going to do something and then never do it. Let's be a people who act and respond in that moment. James talks about it. 
You know, we see somebody who's naked and hungry and we're like, oh, we'll pray that you have food. We pray that you get clothes. No, pray and also do. Pray and also do. So prayer is an action. Prayer is something that we act on. We take action now. It's one thing to know that your prayers produce change, but why is that important? Why is it important to know that your prayers produce change? Point number two is this, because without your prayers, people won't see the power of God. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Without your prayers, people will not see the power of God. The people in your family, in your sphere of influence, will not experience the power of God if you're unwilling to pray. I remember I went on a missions trip to inner city L.A. I was 17 years old, and we were joined down there with Jack Hayford's church, Church on the Way. We went down, and we did these outreaches in different in different. Uh, areas. We were in Inglewood and we just hit different neighborhoods and, did, and canvassed those neighborhoods and then two days later we would go back and throw a big party. We were down there for a couple of weeks. Chris went with me or I went with him. I don't know. He's older. I don't know who went with who but we went together. And we, went, we were down there and, and, and loving all people and we would have like five, six hundred people show up to this gathering and they would, the, the next day we'd do another one or that evening we would do another outreach and we were all over the city. And they put me at 17 years old as one of our uh, group leaders. And so anytime they said, we're going to have an altar call, anybody wants to accept Jesus, or if people want prayer, let them come. They'll gather around you, the 17-year-old kid, and you're going to lead them into prayer to Jesus. Because you know more about Jesus than they do, and uh, we hope, you know. And so I was like, okay, I can do this, you know, I can do this. And, and uh, we led people to the Lord, and, and we were having powerful times and stuff. But I remember this one family came to me, and they had desperation in their eyes. And they said, they said to me, would you pray our son is locked up for a crime he did not commit? And I, uh, <laughs> I was so, I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't, instantly in my head I thought he's guilty, which is horrible. I'm just being honest. Because how we think can hinder how we pray. So I thought, no, I, yeah, I don't want to pray for that. What if he is guilty? I don't want him to be released, you know. And I thought, no, the, the, the mom is sincere, the, the dad and, the, and the, 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 their daughter, they are needing a touch from God. And so I, I gathered together, but then I was so afraid, I didn't know how to pray, that I just prayed this very generic prayer, very powerless prayer. And after I was done saying, God, you know, if you desire your will, I just didn't want to declare anything. I said, amen, I looked up and there was still that desperation in their eyes. I'll never forget it. They wanted to see a miracle. They needed to encounter their living God. And a puny little generic prayer wasn't going to cut it. It just wasn't going to happen. They needed a miracle. And if I would have prayed in boldness, maybe God would have answered their prayer and they would have seen the power of God in their life. But instead, I didn't. And I, and I lied to myself, really. I said, well, I don't want to pray this prayer this way. I don't want to give them false hope. You know what I mean? When someone asks for prayer, they're needing healing, and you're like, well, God, if it's your will. God, it is his will that people will be walk, walking in healing. So we can pray in boldness. But I lied to myself. I said, well, I don't want to give them false hope. But really, it was pride. It was pride that was stopping me from praying boldness because I didn't want to look like a fool if it didn't, if it didn't come to fruition, if it didn't happen. As if they were ever going to track me down from Inglewood to Madeira and be like, hey, you prayed, and it didn't happen. But I was afraid in that moment. And, and 
You know what I'm talking about, right? We lie to ourselves to protect ourselves, but really it's pride and it's, it's a lack of faith that God would do it. But, but James is saying here, your prayer has the potential to change things. And if you're unwilling to pray and ask in power, then people will not see the power of God. They just won't do it. But the prayer that James says is the most effective, the most the most powerful, he says, is the prayer of the righteous. The prayer of the righteous. What does that mean? It means that those who are walking closely with God will have the most effective prayers. The closer you walk to God, the more powerful your, your prayers are. Do you believe that? Last week, we had a guest speaker, Reverend, Reverend, Reverend Larry Blair come. My uncle came and spoke to us. About out of James or out of Second uh, Peter, out about about drawing close to God. Do you remember? If you were here, about drawing close to God and and wanting to draw close to you. And then we had such a powerful move of the Spirit last Sunday. People crying out to God, and the Holy Spirit was touching hearts. And we had a tongues and interpretation of tongues. It talks about out of First Corinthians. You can read that in chapters 12, 13, 14. But we had a tongues and interpretation. And in the interpretation, the tongue said this. The message from the Lord says this. My love for you is unrelenting. My love for you is unrelenting. I will continue to pursue you. You can run from me, but I will continue to pursue you. And the moment you decide to pursue me, I will collide with you in love. It's such a powerful and encouraging word to know that God is continually pursuing you. Do you know that God's love is pursuing you today? He desires to draw close to you. And if you want to walk in boldness and power in your prayer life, then walk closely with Him. But that's easy enough to do because you just have to turn and embrace Him because He's already pursuing you with His love. And as we turn to Him, our prayer life grows in power and effectiveness. So this is what I need you to do. It's not just enough to, to know that your prayers produce change or to know why, because if you don't, then, then people won't see the power of God. But you need to know what to do. So here's what you need to do. Number three, draw close to God by devoting time every day to pray. Devote time every day to pray. Not just, not just a couple minutes when you wake up in the morning, God, thank you so much and bless this cereal. Nothing like that's just quick, but, but actually setting time aside like you are training for something. Like something's important enough for you to say, I have to devote this time. Like going to the gym, I got certain time I got to go, and if I don't go, it, I, my day's thrown off. I got to have this time that I devote to prayer, and I'll draw close. But here's the beautiful thing about doing that. The more that you pray, the closer you draw to God. And the closer you draw to God, the more powerful your prayers become. And the more powerful your prayers become, the more you want to pray. And the more you pray, the more you, you draw closer to God. And it's it's circular, in motion. And instead of, instead of going in a circular pattern of sin, which we often do and we continue to find ourselves going back into sin that we don't want to commit, why don't, we, why don't we change that cycle and say, I'm going to draw closer to God, and as I draw closer, my prayers increase, and as my prayers increase in power, I draw closer to God. Can we be a people that says, I will devote my time, my life to prayer, because I believe my prayers 
have the potential to change lives. And if I don't pray, they won't see him. They won't see his power. Real time set aside to pray. We're doing that as a church. We do that every Tuesday morning right here at 6 a.m. Cutting out time to pray together. We do it here on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., cutting out time to pray together. Because we believe that there's power in prayer. And here's why we need to devote time. Here's why we do it. Number four, because God moves through your prayers of faith. God moves through your faith. You know, some people say, well, God's not an if-then God. And, and He's not in a lot of things. Because, you know, He gives love to us regardless of how we respond. His grace is there for us regardless of we, how we respond to it. So He's always leading first. But, but in Scripture, He does say a few things that if we do something, then He will do something. If, He says in, in 2 Chronicles, which is one of the most famous ones, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this, If my people, who are His people... We are. We are. If my people who are called by my name, what are we called? Christians, which is, which is his name. Christ followers. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. Prayer is an if-then relationship with God in some aspects. If we will pray, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek His face, then He will heal. Then He will restore. Then He will move. That's powerful, isn't it? One of, probably one of the most powerful if-then statements in the entire Word of God. He's saying this, if you don't, I won't. If you catch something today, catch this, if I don't, He won't. If you don't for your family, he won't be able to. Why? Not because he doesn't want to, but because God, when he establishes something, he establishes it for the long run. And if you can remember out of Genesis, when he created the heavens and the earth, he says that he gave us dominion, power, and authority. Yes? Meaning we, have, we are in charge of what happens here on the earth. We gave it away to the enemy. Jesus came back down kicked the devil in the face, gave it back to us. Yes? That's not new theology, hopefully. It's kind of a different way to say it, but that's, that's, how, that's basically what happened. Gives us back the authority and then says this, I put you back in the place of authority over the earth. So if I'm going to move in the earth, I have to move through you. You are in the place of authority here on earth. You are my church. You are the one who bears my spirit and my name. If I'm going to move, I will move through you. I won't move through other sources. I won't move in other ways. You are my body. You are how I move. You, come on, somebody. You are how I move. I choose to move through you. So if you don't, I won't. Because I've chosen already from the beginning of time, that I would use you to pour out my spirit. So we have the potential to change the world through our prayer life. Jesus, when he gave us his Holy Spirit and he ascended to the right hand of God, he said this, go, go and make disciples. Go and be my hands and feet. Go and do what I've done. 
And he hasn't changed his mind. He's just waiting for us to do. It's why at the end of the section of, of James, at the end of the book, it's interesting that James put these last two verses at the very end of this five-chapter letter that he wrote. And he gives us these words, My brothers, verse 19, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Because our faith isn't just our own. Our faith is for others to see Jesus. And they'll see him. They'll see him by the way we live our lives. Because if we don't live it, they won't see it. If we don't pray it, he can't move in their lives. Amen.